What's up, world? We're back with another episode of Let's Talk About Lovecraft Country, episode two, Whitey's on the Moon. I am always as your host, Triple D, and I know what I said. I said what I said. I know what I said, but I'm going back on what I said. This show is too filled. It's too packed to not go into detail with a recap. I was taking my notes during the rewatch of the show, and I just couldn't. I couldn't keep it to a minimum. Like, it's impossible. There's so much going on in just these first two episodes alone. So bear with me as uh, we make it through this episode. Now, um, the reason I do my episodes on Wednesday is because some people don't get a chance to watch the episode until like Monday or Tuesday. Um, So I like to be that option for the people that have the the willpower to stay off social media and not get things spoiled and uh, watch things at their own pace. Also, I have a crazy work schedule, and uh, this is what works best. (laughs) Y'all ready to dive in? Here we go. Episode 2, Whitey is on the Moon. These shows have been so wild. Excuse me, these episodes have been so wild. Especially for me as someone who's not read the books. uh, Every episode, and granted I know it's only been two, seems like it's going to have a what in the hell is going on vibe. And I like that. But it also concerns me just a little bit because uh, with this first season only having 10 episodes and they're giving us so much each episode, I'm worried if they're they're operating under the 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 lane of we're trying to do everything we can to get a second season or we're trying to be as as impactful as possible in case we don't get a second season because the sad part of the world is some of these shows don't get renewed watchmen we should be watching the second season by now we should have gotten a second season of watchmen but we didn't um the first one ended at a point where you could easily cut it off but it definitely left you wanting more so i'm curious as if to whether or not uh these guys are planning to just cut it at one season or if they're just trying to do everything they can to get a second season. And I hope the chaotic nature of each episode doesn't drive people away and it doesn't because some people can't handle it. Um, I see I've seen a lot of people talk about how they they like the show and they like some of the things that's happening. Um, They just can't wrap their heads around the fact that there's so much crammed into an hour and it's a lot. Um, it's all great, but that's not going to be everyone's cup of tea. But hopefully it works out in the best. The episode picks up with our heroes uh, waking up the morning after at the compound that they, they kind of stumbled across in their, their night's events. And uh, we get a we get a real fun opening with a uh, moving on up theme playing um, with Uncle George and Letitia having a ball. Uncle George has a, a library in his room and uh, Letitia's got a full wardrobe and she's living it up and uh we get a shot of Atticus who's rightfully suspicious of all this um he still is in shock of what happened last night and at first glance it's it's really strange because it's like how how do you go through what you went through last night and then go into just dancing around and having fun like you almost didn't die on four occasions in in the same night uh, and like initially my first thought was what we talked about in the last episode, how black people of this time went through so much 
trauma and racism that they they kind of were able to just shrug it off. Um, we'd find out later this was not the case. We get our reintroduction to William, the guy who greeted them at the end of the last episode, uh, who pretty much greets them this morning, uh, shows them a little bit around the grounds and um, invites them to breakfast while they pretty much get a little bit of backstory on the compound and how its original owner was pretty was into some dark stuff, uh, some cult like stuff, even though they wouldn't use the word. William is is strange. He's a friend of the family. And his motives seem, they, they seem very, uh, they're, like, they're unclear. They're super unclear. Uh, he seems to like these guys, but he also seems a bit brainwashed <laughs> from my perspective. Uh, so he, as he's going around and given the, the, the history of the, the people who own this place, uh, we, get, we get another one of those instances of um, Letitia is us. She, she is us. Uncle George asks how um, Mr. Uh, Braithwaite got his fortune, his wealth, and uh, he's informed that he 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 got it through shipping. The witch the teacher says shipping is code is code for slavery. And yeah, that's us. Like there's always that one person who 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 knows the laydown and is not going to be filtered about saying it out loud about what it really is. Um, so this is where we get the instance that they they don't remember what happened. They being uncle George and Letitia, um, as they sit down to eat, um, Tick asks them like, how are you guys okay with all this? After everything we went through last night, how are you guys fine with just eating breakfast and chilling? And that, like I said, that's when we find out that they actually don't remember. Um, they remember running from the police vaguely. And then they just remember kind of coming to in the compound. And this sets tick off, which rightfully so, how do you forget something that wild? It, it sounds like something that could be an illusion, an illusion or a hallucination um, or a very bad dream. So he, he tells him like, the, the, that doesn't seem suspicious to you that your room had a book, or excuse me, your room had a library full of all your favorite books and your room had a ton of clothes that fit you perfectly as if you were measured without knowing. And this is the one of the one of those instances where we're reminded that Tick his head is always on a swivel. Um, it could be the war. It could just be his natural character, but he's, his eyes are always open and he rightfully does not let his guard down whatsoever. So initially when they said they didn't remember, my first thought was that they all didn't remember, but somehow Tick got his uh, memory back. Well, as they're, as they're they're kind of touring the village. They hear the same whistle from the night before. Uh, Tick is the only one who recognizes it because obviously he's the only one that remembers. And my first thought at that point was that the whistle was erasing their memories, but he was somehow immune to it. So we get the introduction of and our, our weekly dose of pure, uncut, unfiltered uh, racism from Concentrate. In the form of, I guess what you could say uh, was ground security, uh, this racist redneck woman uh, with these two annoyingly and clearly trained aggressive dogs. And um, we find out that we're under the impression that the whistle is for those particular guard dogs uh, when actually they're in, they're actually used to control the things that we saw in the episode previous. So during this scene, we get her showing them 
what's inside this sort of stone silo that initially Uncle George thinks is the, the town prison or the village prison because it's the only stone building that they've seen since they got there. Uh, so she takes them in and she shows them that it's actually just remains and hanging pieces of uh, creatures and and other wild animals that have come through um, while she, you know, spreads on the racism even more thick. Um, so the coolest thing about this scene was we get these these music cues in the back of her her dialogue and just the imagery. And it's got this real get out vibe to it um, when he's in the mansion. And and more so outside of the uh, outside of the mansion in the woods, these really weird music cues that made the scene even like creepier and, and even more tense. So I, I thought that that was really dope. Uh, so as they're walking through the, the village, uh, we get Letitia snapping a picture to all along the way. And uh, like I said in the last episode, I think not just now, more so ever, not just Tick, but other people. Um, I think Letitia's camera is going to pick up a lot of things that the human eye is just not supposed to uh, be able to process. And we're going to hopefully find out what's going on with that as the story goes on. So as they're leaving uh, racist white lady number 42, um, the, the crew is smart. And just like take they're also they're also like on on alert and they make note that the type of um, the type of silo that was made there, there has to be some sort of basement downstairs. And Letitia also puts in that with the dogs barking like that, there's no way you could hear someone screaming. Um, so it's just like we got we got the the real live mystery crew mystery ink crew here uh minus the dog uh, but I, I love the fact that they're they're always picking up on little things they're always processing little things and it, it, they're just a dope team they're just a really dope team um you got uh Letitia, who's clearly the g of the group who's you know not afraid to, to boss up when need be um uncle george with the with the knowledge the knowledge nuggets and he's just a vessel of of information and you know we got our hero the man the man up front so as a racist white security lady dismisses them uh, we get another reference to them being back by sundown and my initial thought because this is just great writing and storytelling on their part was is this village operating under uh sundown policies where if they don't make it out they're gonna do what they will with them which, while that could have very well possibly been what it was, nah, uh, the sun went down and those monsters came back out. The Shoggoths have returned and um, it looks like it's about to go down again because I was not expecting it. They, they do a really good job of like ramping up your adrenaline at the randomest of moments. Um, but we get another one of those whistles. The, it, this time it's the same woman who hopped out the car. Uh, when they were escaping the, the racist fire department, uh, Christina, who has the whistle and asks them to be escorted back to the grounds. Um, and immediately we find this is what made me think it was the whistle, because immediately uh, once the monsters go underground, um, Uncle George and Letitia go, what happened? Like, how did we get here? Their memories wiped. Their temporary memory has been wiped again. We would later find out that that's not the case again. Once they return to the compound, we get a look inside of sort of a, an operation room. Uh, I don't even know what to call it, but it looked like a mad scientist living room. And this scene made me feel like Jordan Peele had to be on set 
for this particular <laughs> this particular episode because it's so creepy in the way it's shot. I'm not giving him credit for everything we've seen, but this this scene in particular screamed Jordan Peele was here um, because it's it's super creepy. It, it's just unnerving and you're, you're squirming because we got this guy on a table getting operated on and it's looking like his liver is being ex- extracted uh, without sedative. Like he's just going through it like a G, uh, an old racist G. Uh, we get Uncle George back in his room, just kind of collecting himself, and he stumbles across a hidden passageway into some secret chamber with a bunch of books. Again, the Jordan Peele vibe was heavy in this particular sequence of events. Um, Uncle George kind of stumbles upon this this chamber and finds the bylaws of this secret organization, the Order of the Ancient Dawn. Uncle George being Uncle George, he's going to study it and he's going he's going to figure out what in the world is going on around here. So we get the introduction of Samuel Braithwaite uh, pretty much coming in with with some good old fashioned racism, uh, saying that he's darker than I expected, because, you know, you, you got to put that racist foot down and and let people know where you stand. It, I'm sure Olivia would not approve. But here we are. So. After we get him pretty much treating his daughter like shit, because, you know, that's his character. And unfortunately, that was a lot of men in general back during that time. Uh, He instructs Christina to take take back to his room where we get Atticus's first real conversation with Christina. Uh, Pretty much just trying to find out where she stands on all this, what the deal is. Um, why won't they let him go? Where's his father? All everything he came for. He, he wants what he came for. He wants his dad and he wants answers. And um, she pretty much dances around it as expected and tries to inform, tries to instill in him that like, you know what, you know, despite the times we're living in, not all white people are, um, are against you, which sounds good. But, you know, rightfully so. Uh, Tick is is cautious because you know, he's living in the time that he's living in. And he, he asked her, like, you're going to have to prove that for me. Uh, remove whatever spell you did, because Tick, Tick be on it. Remove whatever spell you placed on my, my people and restore their memory. And we'll, we'll take that as a start. And with no effort, she, she just does it. I was looking for a, a wink, um, an eyebrow raise, a hand gesture, a snap or something. She just says done and it's done. We hear um, Uncle George and Letitia scream in the back. They've got they've regained their memory. They're screaming for Tick and he tries to rush to them, but is immediately stopped by a force field in his doorway. And we find out that we're dealing with full on wizards. This was another one of those things. We're just like, what is happening? What can these guys do? I mean, I think that's one of the interesting things that it could go either way for some viewers, because we we never really get an explanation as to what these people can do and why they can do it. We know they're, they're messing with dark forces clearly, but we can't seem to figure out. We're not getting any real story on where it's coming from. 
like there's even a little bit of comedy in that particular scene where he tries to escape because he he runs and hits the force field and she even kind of winces like oof like i knew it was going to happen but i still didn't think he was going to hit that hard which honestly was probably like one of the only funny moments in this particular episode uh so tick pretty much gives up to the fact that he's he's currently trapped and uh, we see that she gets Christina gets called away to uh, the birthing of uh, what we think is a cow. And um, this is my heads up to the fact that you cannot eat while watching this show because you don't know what's going to happen. Like I, I, I was eating. I can't even remember. But I remember I was in the middle of chicken wings. I was in the middle of biting in the chicken wings. When she pulls out this thing that is clearly not a baby cow, and I I had to stop and collect myself for a minute because we've come a long way with special effects, and that was disgusting. So clearly they're farming whatever monsters these are. Oh, oh my gosh, it was it was a lot. So meanwhile, back in the compound, we get Letitia trying to plot her escape, uh, trying to pick her pick the lock of her door and get herself out of there where um tick busts into the door tries to comfort her you know she's she's ready to escape obviously they're all ready to escape and she he tells her like look we're trapped and he they have a moment they talk and we actually get a little bit of a backstory into her mom how her mom uh was kind of you know out there during her her childhood and uh, there was one particular time where she didn't come back and it was probably it seems like one of the first real moments of fear that she ever felt in her life. And she sort of held on to a certain Bible verse that got her through it. And we get this really, really nice, endearing, sweet moment in between them where they even share a kiss. And that scene transitions into rotating to the other side of the compound where we see Tick trying to communicate with Morse code to his uncle in the next room. Now, initially, I thought that they have their kiss, they have their moment, and then he goes back to his room. We would then find out that, no, this is a, this is indeed not what happened. She is seeing an illusion. She is not actually uh, having this moment with Tick. She is seeing whether it's what she wants to see, what she fears the most, or whatever, but Tick is not really there. Um, Tick again, is in his room trying to communicate through the wall to his uncle. And he is immediately attacked by something or someone. Initially, we get gunshots and he's attacked by a soldier. Um, I believe it's I believe it's supposed to be a South Korean soldier uh, who he actually knows and is in a pretty much life or death hand to hand battle with this woman uh, who I believe he pronounced the name uh, Jaya. I could be very wrong on that. Uh, hopefully we get a little clarification later, but it, yeah, and Jaya is is coming for that head because she is she's swinging for the fence. She pulls she's pulling out knives. She's stabbing him. She's cutting up his arms, which I think that was probably my favorite knife fighting sequence. Because usually when you see a knife fight, um, it usually goes one of two ways. It's the amateur hour where um, like there's you know weird lunging and then somebody gets stabbed or there's like the perfection like it's a bunch of knife flipping and, and flips and and all these weird disarm these cool disarmaments and all that stuff not nah, like tick is doing his best to deflect the knife but his arm is getting cut up and i i liked seeing that i didn't like seeing him get hurt but like i liked a different portrayal of a knife fight which was super dope 
So while he's fighting for his life, uh, Uncle George, who uh, before Tick gets attacked, is trying to decode the the SOS, the Mor- the Morse code that uh, Tick is sending, and he sees that he's he's spelled out wizards. There's there's magic and racism and fuckery afoot all at once. He sees a woman standing off in the next room, and it is a woman by the name of Dora, who we find out is his first love, and he shares like a, a a tender moment with her she we find out that she's died um i don't think we know yet exactly how but he's just happy to share another moment with her even though he knows that she's dead we get three illusions and we find out that while these guys are all suffering leticia being in this this moment that immediately goes left when things get hot and heavy too fast she tries to stop the moment and what we think is tick is not trying to stop and he's trying to he's trying to advance it uh also this episode was the 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 pretty much hands down like okay this one's for the ladies this series is for the ladies um we we got we got shirtless tick in the last episode uh we got him again in this episode and we get him like we get we get man butt later on in the episode this one i think this episode is for the ladies i ain't mad at it get yours um but this this incarnation of Tick is trying to progress forward and we get a really like creepy scene, but is also kind of uh, relevant to the stained glass window she saw of Adam uh, with the snake as a penis. And we get that recreated to which that sort of snaps her somewhat to reality. And um, that's where it, it takes an even darker turn. Um, luckily she grabs a letter opener of a knife to defend herself. And during all of this, we see that they're being watched. The, the guests of Mr. Braithwaite and Christina herself are outside of their rooms, watching them pretty much being tormented, uh, being put through just ridiculous levels of trauma for their entertainment, which there's, there's think pieces and documentaries and books and movies for days on the just the 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 suffering of of black people and other people of color for the entertainment and gratification of white people that um take your pick from there they they manage to get out of the room they're they're suffering to a degree their immediate suffering is put on hold for the announcement of the dinner bell and they all kind of slink their way out into the hallway um fresh off of being mentally tortured and they're they're trying to figure out how they can proceed on and and again just a testament to the the black experience um they've just endured this these traumatic events all of them and immediately have to try their best to to just push through and push forward um which like, like i literally just said it's that is and it shouldn't be uh, but it is a huge part of the black experience. Um, even as I type this, um, we we just had another shooting of an unarmed black man by police, Jacob Blake. And unfortunately, like it's the norm. We, we have to try and push through um, the world, unfortunately, won't stop spinning. And it's it's sad. And it I feel even more like seeing it in this case, because these guys are are being made to suffer through things that they either already endured or possibilities. And we get Courtney B. Vance, the man, the myth, the legend, Akin, 
not acting, Akin. This man put to the the greatest pep talk I have ever seen. Like there's again, like I the I, I often wonder what people what our people would be like if we had counseling, legitimate counseling during these times. Because I, I wouldn't be able to have seen what they saw and just kind of shrug it off and, and keep it pushing because it was a lot. It was a lot. So from there, we go to dinner. Um, unfortunately, women are not allowed at this dinner. Um, I would have I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't have minded seeing like a scene between Christina and Letitia at this point. We'll probably get it eventually down the line. But I think this would have been a cool spot for one. But, you know, time, I'm sure it could have been possible that they had that in there. But the time just didn't allow. Uh, but we go to dinner and um, we got a room full of stuffy white men in tuxes. And uh, we get the entrance of um, Uncle George and Tick who have a plan to try and get out of here. So, again, I don't know what William's motives are because he seems genuinely on their side. But like I said, he seems like he's been brainwashed. Um, he, he pops up random places like he did in the garage. And I don't know. He, he's he's probably one of the few side characters I'm keeping an eye out for. I, I wouldn't mind seeing a little more of what he's about. It was funny earlier uh, when he takes off the <laughs> when he takes off Letty's jacket he, he checks it out for a second. Like, she had on the riding jacket with the tails on it. He takes the jacket off. He, he definitely looks down. He checks it out for a second. And <laughs> inappropriate, but I'm not super bad. I, I, maybe he had to know. Um, <laughs> but we get uh, Mr. Braithwaite, Samuel Braithwaite, Fitz coming out in his um, not clan robes because they made it a point to say that uh they don't associate with the clan they're they're too poor so he says giving his speech on how uh this particular order was has maintained its legacy and its power and making it known that uh he's going to serve them of himself to which uh, we get plates brought out <laughs> of uh little pieces of meat that closely resembled what whatever in the world was pulled out of him earlier uh, this evening, um, to, to which Dick goes, yeah, don't eat that. <laughs> don't eat that. I don't think Uncle George was going to, but I'm glad Tick said it because we were all thinking it. Um, the funny thing about this particular scene was I didn't see anyone else eat it, and I wouldn't have minded that bit of creepiness. Um, again, this kind of feels a bit Jordan Peelish, just a tad of, uh, white men getting served up. Not to say that anyone else isn't capable of that, but just the lighting and the, the way it was shot and the masterful delivery by Courtney B. Vance of this, um, just kind of led me to believe that like, I, I think Peel might've been on set for this one. I could be, I could be very wrong, uh, but it's just got a, a feel to it. So one of the things I love about Uncle George is if you give him the floor, he going to take it. He was dropping knowledge bombs about masonry and white men, excluding black men, left and right. And the kicker was when he pulled up that table, <laughs> he pulled up at that table and told them that they were all regular old members in comparison to his nephew. And we get we get the bossest of boss scenes with Tick pretty much dismissing everyone, uh, giving the order, and them, you know, being old white men, resisting at first, 
and we get him just sort of towering over uh, one unfortunate soul and telling him, like, that's an order, guys. Yeah, bounce, dip, step. And uh, they they get in formation. So using this newly found loophole, Atticus orders Sam, give me back my father. To which, you know, Sam, being the white man that he is, and he has to get that last word in, he says, look, I may need you for my plans, but you are not indispensable. So don't think that just because I'm I'm a little crazy and I'm a little nice, uh, don't think that I won't dead you and your whole family once I'm done with you. Because he still had to assert that dominance in his position. So we get the crew rushing back to the silo, uh, trying to find um, Montrose. And we, we, of course, get the opposition, old white lady, number 42, holding a shotgun, getting in her, her trash talk about how she's going to feed them to their dogs. And again, Letitia is us. And uh, we get the, we get the, the shovel to the face and knocks, knocks her out. And um, they, they don't seem to find a trace. Well, they do find a trace of him. They find his flask, but they can't seem to find him. And uh, we get a call back to the first episode where uh, he's reading the, the Count of Monte Cristo. And they piece together that he's escaped, ever resourceful. He's escaped. He, he tunneled himself out and walled up the perimeter. Uh, he walled up the, the basement. And we get the introduction of Montrose. Enter Michael Kenneth Williams, uh, escaping from 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 the dirt with his little celebration hands up. He's obviously been through some stuff, but is fully committed to being a terrible person. Immediately starts talking trash to his family that has risked all types of crap to come and save him. And he's just a, a dick about it. I didn't ask you to do that. Like, you know, just this dude, uh, like firmly planting his foot that he is going to be an asshole. And this is this is what we're getting, you know, tells him that, like, I didn't actually write you that letter. Clearly, they made me write you that letter, um, which, you know, shows a disappointment in Atticus. That, like, dude, like I literally I came to save you. We came to save you. And you're really being an ass about this. But, hey, he still leaves with them. So they try to bounce out. And uh, we get another force field. They get slammed by another force field. We get a, we get another interesting music flip. This time, uh, fitting the villains uh, much more. We get a Marilyn Manson song that's just dark and creepy, and just fits that. This was <laughs> it's ironic. It's super ironic that because if any of you remembered. If any of you were old enough to remember, way back when the, the Columbine shootings happened, uh, Marilyn Manson got a very big part of the blame for that. And a lot of people really came to his defense that, like, this this wasn't on him, you know, and we shouldn't be blaming music for uh, people's inability to, to separate art from, from life. Uh, this one felt white shooterish. This song they chose, and I don't know if it was intentional or unintentional, but that song felt white shooterish um, because we definitely get Mr. Braithwaite, Sam Braithwaite pulling up with the pistol and immediately shoots Letitia. Uh, it's a heavy moment that you don't see coming, but because we've seen uh, the, if you've seen the upcoming week's trailer, we know she makes it, but still um, she for lack, like a lack of of real like diagnosis she dies right there on the street and 
Sam ch- tells him, you're going to help me do what we brought you here to do. And you can decide who dies next, either your father or your uncle. And we see him take a shot. And at, initially, we don't know who takes the, who he shoots until later on. But um, it's it's a heavy, heavy scene because Letitia for like she essentially dies. Uh, we we get a we get a really, really powerful death scene from Journey Smollett. And it's it's rough. Like he they're panicked. Obviously, he he calls to Christina for help. She does what she does and, you know, looks away because although she knows this is wrong, she she's not going to go against her father. And it's a rough scene. So we flash to the next scene, which is preparation for the ceremony. Again, for the ladies, we get we get some man butt and some back muscles. I'm I'm about to go and uh, work on doing some pull ups and some some deadlifts. Get my back close to semi right like that, and we we get him being prepared for whatever this ceremony is. And he also has a view into what his family is doing. And is at this point, we learn that Uncle George has been shot. He's on the bed being tended to by Montrose. And uh, Letitia is also on the bed. Well, excuse me, she's on the couch uh, covered with like a, a, a blanket or something like that. And I guess she's hanging on to dear life at this point. But immediately she springs up and is, you know, gasping for air because she she almost died if she literally if she hadn't. But we see a, a look of relief from Tick. Uh, we also during this uh, this clearly invasive <laughs> cleaning process, uh, Christina comes in and gets her a front row seat. So I guess Christina was the women in the audience for that at that point. But she also in, informs him of what the actual ceremony is for her father intends to do what their ancestors attempted to do and that was to open a portal to eden where if they were step through if they were to step through they would gain immortality the original braithwaite who attempted this uh he i guess he flubbed the chant and that's what started the original fire that burned down the original compound earlier we see that uncle george's piece together that one of tick's ancestors hannah actually escaped the compound during a fire um, so that that was a, a cool way of piecing two and two together. Well, we find out that he needs Tick because he contains the blood of the one of the original Braithwaites. And he intends to use him to kind of amplify whatever spell or incantation he's going to use to open up this portal. And he's pretty much ensured him that if it works, he will he will heal his Uncle George. So Tick obviously agrees to that. So in the midst of all this, Letitia literally died. In my eyes, she literally died. And she she runs to the ba- to the bathroom and has to process that. Like we get another powerful acting moment from Journey Smollett, who better be nominated for something at the end of all this, because she's giving it all in every single episode, every single scene. She's coming to terms with the fact that she almost if she didn't, she almost died. And who knows what she saw while she was unconscious in this crazy, crazy white cult temple and while she's processing that we get a conversation between brothers where we get george pretty much sharing regret for not sort of being there to protect his brother in things that he he either didn't see or he chose to not see or acknowledge when they were growing up Um, we also get the bomb drop that tick might not be montrose's son which was a heavy bombshell to drop in a second episode. 
and that he might and Montrose might be all Tick has left because there's a very good chance that Uncle George doesn't make it out of this. And cue Whitey on the Moon by Gil Scott Heron as we get the the beginnings of this ceremony, this crazy ritual. And this was a, an awesome choice because we get Gil Scott Heron's Whitey on the Moon where he's going through the trials and tribulations of being a black person in America with money woes and while white people are white people in it up and they're fine they're on the moon they've it fits perfectly because you have these drums that are going over top of this racist white man's chants that sound almost like an african dialect and it's it's a crazy perfect contrast of sounds but all in all feeding to this 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 tension that is being brought up visually but Gil Scott Heron's vocals are so calm and chill that it's like it's sort of tearing you in, into two different directions. It's like I'm kind of calm, but internally I'm screaming because what in the world is happening to Tick? He's being shot full of lightning and, and energy and he this aura is coming out of the ring and a whole lot is happening. And it seems to be working. It seems to be working. The portal is opening. Flourishing plant life is coming out of it. And uh, Fitz is he I, I keep calling him Sam. I keep calling him Fitz. It's actually Samuel. But, you know, if you've seen Scandal or if you've, you know, been around long enough, you, you should know who Fitz is. Samuel, he's he's getting happy because he sees it's actually working. But we see I mean, we see from Tick's point of view that he can see someone standing in there. Uh, we, of course, know that this is Hannah. Um, Tick just sees a, a black woman standing there. And well, who knows? He it's possible he pieced together that it was Hannah, but he sees her standing at the end of this this portal and he resists whatever this weird spell is and kind of cancels it out, like dispels it, all this energy, this aura and that energy just shoots out and it turns everybody in the room to stone. Uh, one guy actually to dust because I guess he's moving and the, the force tears down the building and it starts to crumble. Uh, Samuel is out of there. He gets crushed by one of, by a pillar and falling debris. And uh, our incarnation of Hannah takes off running and literally leading him to leading Tick to freedom. And he takes off running after her and he escapes. And the, the observatory just crumbles in, into rubble behind. We get another celebration cut short because um, while Letty comes up and runs to Tick, happy that he made it out and that they all made it out to a degree. It's immediately cut short um, when the realization that someone didn't make it. Tick doesn't know who, but he just he knows. And we get a great shot of them approaching the car. We get it's that funeral walk. We we've all seen it. You know, just that that knowing that someone's where we've we've said goodbye to someone for the very last time. That walk that you have to take, but you don't want to. And it's and it's a hard, hard walk. And we get the the realization that, unfortunately, um, because of his his injuries, Uncle George bled out. He did not make it. And um, this on the rewatch, I teared up. I thug tears all day. It was it was hard because it it's only been two episodes and he's such a huge part of the story. And to have him taken away this soon was harsh and because you know we wanted more like and he didn't deserve it 
None of them deserved any of this crap that they went through. Well, he's got a wife and a daughter back home that they have to deliver the news to. And I don't know, hopefully we get him in a ghost form or something because Courtney B. Vance, again, Akin, he, he murdered these two episodes and it was just, it was devastating. And, um, we, we get a tearful cutout. This is where the episode ends. Another crazy one, another heavy one. And it's amazing that they've, again, they've crammed so much storytelling into, into one episode at a time. And I'm, I'm curious as to see what's next. Um, sticking with my main long-term theory that whatever these pictures are that Letty's taking, once she gets them developed, we're going to, we're going to see something super unexpected, obviously, but like something devastating. And I'm really curious as to what that is. Um, I'm still expressing my concern that I hope people stick with this show because it it does have a chaotic nature. But more more importantly, I hope they get another season. If they decide that they, hey, we just wanted to do a one season one off. I mean, I, more power to them in respect to it. But I really I really hope they I hope they get a few more seasons. And I hope they can tell out a little bit of a longer, a longer story because I haven't read any of the original material. So I don't know how long this can possibly stretch, but I hope we get a good run and I hope we get more out of these actors because they're killing it. They are killing it. And that is episode two, Whitey's on the Moon. Let me know what your thoughts are. Let me know what you think is going to happen. And if you'd like to be a guest on the show, hit me up. You know where to find me. Off the Clock Pod, O-F-F-T-H-A, Clock Pod, on Instagram, on Twitter, and on Facebook, Off the Clock Podcast. And if you want to email me, that's Podcast at yahoo.com, O-F-F-T-H-A, Clock Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Triple D. I will see you guys in the next one. Guys, I don't know how I almost let you guys out of here without giving my favorite line of the week. And it comes right at the dinner scene when Uncle George tosses up the perfect alley-oop of seeing as how I believe my nephew is a descendant, the Titus Braithwaite, and Tick comes crashing down perfectly with the I want everybody but Samuel to stand up and get the fuck out. Brilliance. They ain't all going to be deep. They are not all going to be deep, but that's my favorite line of the week. Again, my name is Triple D. I'll see you guys next week. And uh, one more time for Uncle George. George.